0: amen amen deuteronomy chapter 13 many of you you know when scripture was originally written moses was not putting chapters and chapter breaks these things were placed later on so that we can quickly say hey turn to deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 1 so we're actually going to get a running start in Deuteronomy chapter 12 because it is the true context for what is happening here in Deuteronomy chapter 13. And a great way to look at Deuteronomy 13 is what would it take for you to walk away from the Lord your God? What is the price for you? Uh, oftentimes, within our jobs, there's a certain price out there that we would lie or cheat or steal, right? Maybe it's $100, maybe it's $200, maybe it's $2,000, maybe it's $2 million. That uh, there's a certain price, if you're not a man or a woman of integrity, that you'd be willing to lie and cheat and steal and break your integrity. And a great way to look at chapter 13 is, what would it take for you to stop loving the Lord your God? Would it take someone with miracles and power? Would it take your own family, your own friends, those closest to you? Would it take the entire city? What would it take for you to walk away from the Lord your God and start serving other gods? So here in Deuteronomy chapter 12, Verse 29, it says, When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared, you are not trapped, to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their God, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. Likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. So as we closed up Deuteronomy chapter 12 two weeks ago, we saw how we need to hold the standard of God's word. We're not to add to it, and we're not to subtract from it. We also see that we're not supposed to start being curious about how other people worship or necessarily other religions and allow that to creep in to the way that we worship and serve the Lord our God. We also see how God has a special hatred for those that go after children and go after sons and daughters. God has a specific hatred and abomination for that. And in view of verse 32, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. Verse 1 and 2, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. It's a miracle worker comes into your life and says, hey, let's go after these other gods. Let's go after some other god, some other religion. We know what to do, and oftentimes it's something we quote in Deuteronomy 18, verse 22. It says, if a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is, the thing which the Lord has not spoken... The prophet has spoken presumptuously, and you shall not be afraid of him. In other portions of Scripture, we see we're supposed to stone a prophet if they prophesy something, and it doesn't come to pass. But now, what should we do if a prophet does prophesy, if he does have wonders, and if he does have signs, and it actually comes to pass? A miracle worker in front of you, someone gets healed. Someone's suit jacket is superpowered and knocks people down, right? What what should we do? What should we do if they're leading us in a different direction? Here he says, do not go after them. Do not go after them. And miracles, signs and wonders are not the true test of a prophet. We are not to be seeking after signs and miracles and wonders and the show, in a sense. In fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 gives us a great warning. He tells us the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. We're not supposed to look at signs and wonders and miracles as the stamp of approval of God in a person or in a movement. We can think of Moses. Moses, after he meets with God in the burning bush, God tells him, put your hand in your cloak. He takes it out. He freaks out. It's, it's full of leprosy. He tells him, put it back in there. He's okay. Take your staff. Throw it down. It becomes a serpent. He goes and meets with Pharaoh's sorcerers, and they're in Pharaoh's uh, palace, and he throws down the staff. It becomes a serpent. Aaron throws down his staff. It becomes a serpent. But then Pharaoh's sorcerers, Jannies and Jambres, also throw down their staffs. And what happens? They become serpents as well. They are able to copycat these miracles. In fact, Jannies and Jambres were able to turn some water into blood just like Moses did. They were able to bring up frogs just like Moses did in the second plague. It's not until the third plague, the striking of the dust of the earth and all of that dust becoming lice... That finally these magicians and sorcerers say in Exodus 8 19 that this is the finger of God. We need to be very careful because if we're living in the last days, I believe we are. What we read in Matthew 24:24 24, 24, is that there's gonna be more signs and more wonders, and if possible, they would even trick the very elect. We need to be on guard. We need to be well versed in Scripture. In these last days, there's going to be supernatural power working in and through Satan in the lives of human beings. If you would in Revelation 13:13, 13, 13, we see a quick example of this. This is after the rapture, but we read Jesus, he's talking about the birth pangs leading to the rapture in Matthew 24:24. 24, 24. But here in Revelation 13, 13, here we see the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, these men, tells us in Revelation 13:13, 13, 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived." So how are we to test someone that is capable of mighty signs and mighty wonders? It goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. We are to pay attention to the Word of God and the message of these prophets and compare the two. And if their message goes against the Word of God... We are not to serve them. We are not to follow them. In Acts 17.11, it tells us that these Bereans were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Are you searching the scriptures? Or do you say, it's on the internet, it must be true. Because sadly, there are a lot of believers, oh my goodness, it's on TikTok, it must be true. It's on Instagram, it must be true. Look at their following, they have 5,000 people following them. It has to be true. No, we are to test the message with scripture. We should be like the Bereans, daily testing and searching to find out whether these things were so. So. David Guzik says, Godly discernment will always carefully examine the message of a spiritual leader instead of the spiritual experiences which may surround him or her. And I think that's one of the greatest problems within Christianity in our nation is we have spent the last 10, 20 years seeking after spiritual experience instead of spiritual biblical teaching. And because of these great concerts, because of the great experience, people are watered down and our nation is more sinful than ever before. It's also not about what we want to hear. It's all about who is speaking the actual truth of God's Word. Right? Do, do you want your doctor to lie to you because you don't want to hear the bad news? Doc, I, I just wish you would lie to me, right? Just tell me I'm in perfect shape. I know I'm 200 pounds overweight, but just tell me. I have the perfect body right now. I don't want to hear the news of cancer, so just lie to me. Tell me I don't have that. One of of the scriptures that always makes me think of this and makes me laugh is in 1 Kings 22, verse 8. And Jehoshaphat is about to go to war with the king of Israel together to go and fight these other nations. So they have all these prophets and they tell the king of Israel exactly what he wants to hear. So Jehoshaphat says, hey, is there anyone that speaks on behalf of the Lord God? But do you know what the king of Israel says? There's still one man by whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. He literally says, I don't like him because he's always mean to me. I don't like him because his message is hateful. I don't like him because his message it's just it's just too truthful. It's just too bold out there. That's literally where many Americans are, where many believers are. It's just too mean. It's just too harsh. My Jesus, I think He, you know, our God is love, so He just loves everybody. In the end, love is gonna win. Everybody's gonna go to heaven. Not so. Not so. That's not what Scripture tells us. A prophet, a true prophet, is someone that speaks the Word of God on behalf of God. Warren Wiersbe, he says, God raised up prophets in Israel during those times when people needed to be called back to the faithful worship of the Lord. It has often been said that prophets weren't just foretellers. They were primarily foretellers who declared the word of the Lord in the name of the Lord. The faithful prophet spoke in God's name and gave only God's message for God's glory and for the good of God's people. And that's what we should be doing, just foretelling the word of the Lord. We need to be in God's word so we can tell the truth from the false, from the lies. No matter what type of power is behind it again what would you do if an angel appeared to you tonight first most many of us would have heart attacks but after that right let's say you made it through what would you do if an angel came and spoke to you tonight would you just obey anything they had to say or would we even test that according to scripture because that's exactly what paul tells us in galatians chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than that which we've preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and so now say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So it doesn't matter what kind of power they have. Here Paul says, even if they have power from God, if they're speaking to you another gospel... Let them be accursed. So, what should we do? Back to Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 3. It says, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What is your price? Is it just miracles? Is it just signs? Is it just wonders? God allows these things to happen in our lives to reveal to ourselves, do we really love him? And he knows where we're at oftentimes it's so that we can see, wow, look at where I'm at. It just took one pretty girl for me to run away from loving the Lord my God. It just took one image, it just took one extra check that caused me to stop loving the Lord my God and reveal to me that I love something else. We need to be careful and be honest. Do I really love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength? John 14, 15, Jesus tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. It all goes back to the word of God. So he tells us, do not listen to them. And then in verse 4 he says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. So there's one thing to not do and now there's a whole lot of things that we should be doing. Don't listen to these false prophets but now we should be doing all of these other things. We need to keep walking after the Lord our God. We need to keep fearing him, respecting him. We need to keep keeping his commandments, guarding the word of God in our lives and in the lives of the people in our sphere of influence. We need to obey his voice. We need to serve him and we need to cling to him. Do we truly believe that apart from him, I can do nothing? If we really believe that's the truth, we are going to cling to him and hold to him. It's interesting because all of these words are in the imperfect tense, which means that these tasks are never fully accomplished. So we need to always be being, walking after Him. We need to always and continually be fearing Him. We need to constantly be keeping His commandments. We need to always be obeying His voice, serving Him, and holding fast to Him. We can't take our foot off the gas We can't start coasting and say, okay, I've done it this far. I did it this last month. No, we need to continually be doing these things. Then how do we handle this prophet that spoke these lies to us? Verse 5, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Non-profit ministry, right? Because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you. He's trying to lure you away from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. I like the way many other versions put it. It says, purge the evil from your midst. That's what we need to be doing with sin. And with those that are seeking to lead us astray, we need to put away the evil from among us. And we also need to purge this evil away from us. Here we see that in biblical times, heresy was punishable by death. Just as kidnapping and many other sins were. God loves his children greatly and perfect love also has a perfect anger. We see the same with Jesus Christ where his perfect anger was aroused because of the Pharisees getting in the way of him saving people. These Pharisees making it more difficult for sinners to repent or making it more difficult for God's children to come home because they were preaching another gospel. And Jesus would have a perfect anger. To the point where he's sitting in the corner of the temple, weaving his own whip together to then drive them out of the temple. And just as God gave no room for kidnappers of children, he was making no room for those who would seek to spiritually kidnap his children. Today, we live in New Testament times. We are not to kill heretics, although some of you may want to do that, right? And we know there'd be a lot less of them. I don't know if TBN would exist, but that's a different subject, right? Instead, we are to try and win them over. We are to, if they're within our sphere of influence, and we can speak to them and minister to them, we're to try to win them over. And if they simply do not want to humble themselves, if they simply want to dig their heels in, we are to put them away and purge that evil away from us. Let's say you get the bad news that you have cancer, you have some other type of terrible illness in your body, and the surgeon is gonna go in and take out this sickness. How much of that sickness do you want them to take out of your body? All of it. Don't leave a single drop. Don't leave one cell. Completely purge it out of my body. Do you feel bad for the cancer cells? Do you protect the cancer cells? You want, we want our bodies completely purged in order to protect our bodies and keep it healthy. And family, the same is true in a spiritual sense. We need to purge out all the things that would lead us away and entice us away and ensnare us away from loving the Lord our God. So the first test, if you would, is someone that has great power, great wonders, and great miracles. Maybe you say, ah, that's easy. I I wouldn't follow after that. I would still love the Lord my God. But now look at the test in verse 6. How many of us would pass this test? If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers. Of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. But you shall surely kill him your hand shall be first against him to put him to death and afterward the hand of all the people again we we live in new testament days but sadly many of us have a double standard when it comes to our family and friends many of us that heretic on tv we can talk all types of trash against him But if it's someone in our friend group, if it's someone in our family, if it's our own children, we protect them. We can consent to them and we can listen to them. We have to be honest with ourselves and follow the Lord in the way that he demands to be followed and to be worshipped. And sadly, because of that double standard, I've seen it in ministry, whole friend groups start going after other gods. Whole families, they start going off and they join a cult. A whole group of children gets poisoned because parents didn't want to stand up to that one child going down a dark path. And then it ends up that all of them get poisoned because someone wasn't biblical, they didn't bring the light, and they didn't bring the purging into the situation. Here we see, in fact, that the family member, the bestie, was the person to throw the first stone. And this is what we should do, not throw rocks at people, but we should take it as our responsibility when someone we love is going after other gods. When someone we love is going after false gospels and false doctrines, we need to be biblical and the tip of the spear in trying to win them back over and trying to bring them back to life and godliness. If we truly believe scripture that the the wages of sin is death, how can we just be indifferent when our family members, our friends, the people that we love as our own soul are on their pathway to hell, death, and destruction? We need to be mindful of Matthew chapter 10 verse 37 and 38. Jesus, this being, this God who is perfect man and perfect God. He's all one, all God and all man. He's perfect love. He tells us in Matthew 10:37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. It's a seriousness to scripture. We cannot be double-minded. We cannot have a double standard. We need to hold fast to the Lord our God no matter what. Do we really love him? Do we really love him more than anything else? And what we see here is the perfect love that God has for his children. Our God, He is a jealous God in order to protect us, in order to bless us. He has a godly jealousy for us. That's why He says in Matthew 18, verse 6 and 7, that whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. I think sadly many believers have this type of emotional indifference. And they think that emotional indifference is being godly and being biblical. What we see in Jesus Christ is that he had perfect emotion. He had perfect compassion. He had perfect love. And because he had such a perfect love, he also had a perfect anger. And when people would cause his sons and daughters to sin, when people would cause his sons and daughters to veer off course, there is a godly anger that should be rising up within us. And parents, right, for the dads here, if you really love your daughter and you see someone hurting her, beating her up, smacking her around, do you just say, oh, I got to be godly, I can't do anything about it? That's not perfect love. And we need to have a godly anger for sin and for people that are causing others to go astray. Biblically, we need to hold to the standard that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That the Bible is the very word and breath of God. That it is perfect. It is inerrant. We need to hold fast to these truths that any type of sex outside of marriage is sin. That marriage is supposed to be one husband and one wife. That no other religion gets people to heaven. We need to hold to these standards. And today, we're not to stone a heretic. But we are commanded to commit church discipline or even within our own homes, home discipline. What what type of heart should we have behind it? Looking for rocks to throw at people? Not at all. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 tells us, Brethren, If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You're dealing with someone that's starting to veer off track, go after other gods, preach another gospel, seek to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, considering that we're sinners just like them, that we were just as blinded, we were just as off as they were. We can think of Matthew 18, how we're doing it in order to win a brother or a sister over. However, there is a boatload of scriptures when it comes to church discipline. And just our lives as believers. Titus chapter 3 verse 10 through 11, it tells us, Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning and being self-condemned. Reject them, and then stay away from them. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, it tells us, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and avoid them. This is for all all believers. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says, We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw... From every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. Are we withdrawing from those who are walking disorderly that claim that they're brothers, claim that they're saved. But now they're walking disorderly and not according to the scriptures that we've received from them. For received from the Lord, we are to withdraw ourselves from them. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has a whole lot to say here. The Holy Spirit has a whole lot to say here on church discipline. And the reason why we do it. The reason why God had such a high standard for his people. Because a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll jump through this chapter a bit. In verse 1 he says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife and you're puffed up instead of mourning. Then in verse 5 he tells them what should they do? Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? We are to put them out. We are to give them up. We are to give them out of our home so they're not under the covering and the blessing of God's people. And they would taste the wages of their sin to wake them up before it's too late. Also, the the concern is a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. I know during COVID, everybody started baking sourdough bread, right? Everybody got into baking. You just put a tiny bit of that leaven and the thing starts growing, right? I don't know if you ever put too much leaven in by accident. You got this thing growing everywhere. That little bit of sin will permeate through the whole family. That little bit of sin, that false doctrine will permeate through the whole church body. Then he tells us in verse 7, therefore, once again that word, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Then he tells us, we can jump all the way to the end, verse 13, he says, but those who are outside God judges, therefore put away from yourselves the evil person. It's not that we just keep them in here while they are spewing out and living a lifestyle that is against the word of God. And church discipline is never an exciting part of ministry. It's not. It's usually a bummer. It's usually, is there any other course to get here? But we've had to do it at times. People preaching other gospels. Sinless perfection, you're perfect if you're saved, if you're sinning, you're not saved, Uh, calling God by his proper name, the Bible's been compromised, all sorts of crazy things. And a good father needs to protect his children. So for us, we don't throw stones. Instead, we just put them out and allow them to reap what they're sowing in the world that hopefully they'd wake up, humble themselves, and we'd be able to restore them after they've repented. Back to Deuteronomy 13, verse 10 and 11. It tells us here, you shall stone him with stones until he dies because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So all Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. Capital punishment is biblical. You can say whatever you want. Capital punishment, number one, is biblical. Number two, it is a deterrent to crime. That's what we're seeing here. It's so that all Israel would hear and fear and not do such wickedness as this among you. A lot of the cities in the U.S. are going down the tubes because punishable crimes are just not being punished anymore. People are going into Walgreens. They got their bags. They just steal everything, right? Because they know nothing bad is really going to happen to them. Punishment, it is biblical, and it's a deterrent to crime and to evil and to sin. Verse 12 through 14, If you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you, and entice the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it, all that is in it and its livestock, with the edge of the sword. So perhaps the person with power and wonder and might, you'd stay coarse. Perhaps your family, it would, it's bitter, it hurts, but you'd be able to stay coarse. The next question for us If our whole city, our whole city is going after sin, going after other gods, would we stand fast and stand fast for the Lord our God? Here in verse 14, he tells us what we should do. We got to be careful to inquire, search out, and ask diligently. If you think there's sin going on in someone's life, don't just jump to conclusions and gossip about it. No, ask them. Ask them, hey, how are you doing? Is this what's going on? Be your brother, be your sister's keeper. But now in verse 15, what we see is if the whole city has been given over to another God, to another gospel, Israel was commanded to completely and utterly destroy it. Verse 16, and you shall gather all its plunder into the middle of the street and completely destroy burn with fire the city and all its plunder, for the Lord your God, and it shall be a heap forever, it shall not be built again. That word heap, we can also see it as the word tell. Not, hey, I'm going to tell on you, but if you've been to Israel, or you're into archaeology, there are tells, and that's certain layers of earth that belong to a certain time period. And as you go to Israel, there's Tell Dan, and there's many tells where there's cities upon cities upon cities that have been built one on top of the other, because a city gets destroyed, it gets burnt with fire to the point where there's only ashes, and then they build another city on top of it afterwards. Verse 17, "So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy." Have compassion on you and multiply you just as he swore to your fathers. Because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments which I command you today to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. Matthew Poy says, It's the very same punishment which was inflicted upon the cities of cursed Canaanites to whom having made themselves equal in sin. It is but fit that God should be equal to them in their punishment. Again, how can we live like complete pagans and expect that we're going to heaven and not hell? The, the punishment's going to be the same. And the Israelites could have thought, we're God's chosen people. So no matter what we do, we're going to be God's chosen people. We have to be careful. If we really love the Lord our God, we are going to keep His commandments. David Guzik, he closes up, he says, this chapter asks the important question, what would it take to lead you away from God? Would signs and wonders do it? What if your soulmate forsook God? What if all your friends? What if your culture or nationalism or ethnic ties called you away from Jesus Christ? We must never allow such ties to come before our bond to Jesus Christ. We must decide today as the song says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. So family, it's a good question for us. What's the price? What's the price for us? And for us to be honest with the Lord, if certain things are hard, difficult. Lord, I love my city. Lord, I love my culture. Lord, I love my family. It's a natural love for parents to have for their kids. It's a natural love to have for your spouse. But Jesus needs to be our chief and ultimate love. And if we love him, we will obey his commandments. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll have the Lord's Supper now. And these are one of these moments that I often have that I'm so grateful to live in new testament right the new covenant that we don't have to bring our family members before the city and start throwing rocks at them instead we could pray for them we can intercede on their behalf and we can thank the lord for what he has done because now we are adopted into the family and the household of god and until that family member has died we can pray lord open their eyes Lord, soften their hearts. We can be biblical and say, "Hey, I can't have the same friendship with you. I can't have the same relationship with you, but I want you to seek the Lord, cry out to Him, ask Him." So, 1 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse seventeen. Actually, we could jump to verse twenty-three. Paul says, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night." For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Again, what a blessing we have tonight to be reminded To remember Jesus' death and sacrifice for us. To be able to examine ourselves. Okay, Lord, in light of scripture, what are the things that have become idols? What are the things that I'm kind of going after and and walking away from you? We, We can examine ourselves. And then lastly, we can rejoice. Because of his death, because of his sacrifice, because of his resurrection, we've been freed from sin. We've been adopted into the family and household of God. We get to live in the kingdom of God, not only on the next side of eternity, but on this side of eternity. We get to live with joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, only because of Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross. So I encourage you, worship team, they're going to come up now. We'll dim the lights a little bit just to spend some time in worship and just to pray, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice Lord, search my heart. I know my heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? But, Lord, search me and reveal to me where I'm in sin and that we would rejoice. So let's pray. And then when you're ready, you can take of the bread and you can drink of the cup. So, Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you once again for the joy of being able to gather together tonight, Lord. And, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord. Thank you that we're in the new covenant, God. We thank you that you have so much grace and mercy. Uh, But Lord, help us. Help us to not take it for granted. Help us to not just be sloppy and unbiblical, Lord, and just leaning into a mercy that is unbiblical, Lord. Help us to truly follow you and love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, God. And Lord, just help us to be biblical, Lord, if we realize tonight that we're sinning against you, if we're realizing tonight we love someone or something else more than you, Lord, help us to just repent. Help us to just repent, confess our sins to you, Lord, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we love you. We're so grateful. We're so humbled at your sacrifice for us, Jesus. We love you and we thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.